Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, we've had a great start to the book of Philippians, where we've been for the last few weeks. Week one, we looked at the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote the book, the uniqueness of his background, where if anyone was impressive enough to earn their own salvation, it was him. Yet he was a champion for grace and an author of this book that points to Christ and not his achievements. We met the founding members of the church at Philippi, a centurion who was jaded, a demon-possessed girl, and a businesswoman named Lydia. A very diverse collection of people, very eclectic, but very faithful, and so faithful that thousands of years we're talking about them, and that God can use anyone to start a new work that is honoring to him. We started the first chapter of this book with looking at Paul mentoring Timothy and the bishops and the elders that took part in this amazing church start. Last week, we talked about the biblical koinonia, the fellowship, the people that supported Paul, who he loved very much, and the audience to whom this was written. And today, we get to pick up in verses 12 through 19, and we get to see how Paul is faithful to share the gospel regardless of his circumstances. In many ways, the following verses sound like a typical missionary testimony that you would hear at your church. Someone who's been serving the Lord, someone who comes back and they give a report telling the good, the bad, the the challenges, and the hopes. And Paul does so starting in verse 12. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put there for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I love he says he rejoices. Again, in prison, Paul is rejoicing at the proclamation of the gospel. Let's break this apart and dig in. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to give a report and you gave some excuses because the circumstances were less than ideal? Bad weather, bad culture, the obstacles could be social, financial, physical, and there's always a good reason why those explained why you failed to deliver on your promise or your mission. In this case, we see Paul make a compelling case. Persecution helps the spread of the gospel. How even amid terrible circumstances, he never lost sight 
of what he was there to do. The gospel was always front and center in his plan and his priority. You see, time and time on his missionary journey, he might have set out to reach this particular group, but if that didn't work out, he just shared with who was in front of him, whether it was a crowd of people, a Bible study, or his fellow prisoners. And so you see here in verse, again, 12 and 13, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Think about that. He's saying, I'm in these terrible circumstances, but this is for the greater good. That is a maturity that I'm not sure that I have had in certain times in my life when things were less than ideal. I am impressed with this, and let's keep moving on. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Friend, are you in a hostile situation? How is your neighborhood? How is your job? How is your school? How's your children's school? Do you see those as impediments to you growing spiritually? Or do you look at them as a mission field where you can reach people for Christ that otherwise might have been neglected or overlooked? I love Paul's heart here as he sees a terrible circumstance as an opportunity and for God to get the glory. In verse 14, he mentions how his imprisonment has actually emboldened those around him. Fellow Christians are saying, man, if Paul is in prison and he is seeing these kinds of results, I should be more bold in my faith. I should trust God more in the proclamation of the gospel. And in so doing, the gospel gets preached more because people are rising to the occasion and following his example. In this first section of scripture, Paul's embodying Mark 16, 15. Go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, not just the ones that are convenient or desirable to you. Preach the gospel where you are. Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Think about the lost. Now, that doesn't mean that the people that are need the gospel might be in dire circumstances, but friends, lost is lost. And that means they can be right in front of you. Sometimes you don't even have to look for the people. They're right around you. Because as you remember, John 20, 21 says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So friend, remember that we all have a mandate in our life. We all have a responsibility to share Christ, not on our own power, but through empowerment of Christ as seen in Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. And again, many times we look at the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth like family, your local, your national, your international. There's many different ways, whether through prayer, whether through service, or whether just through your personal evangelism and discipleship. We're all called to reach out to those around us to share Christ. So it's important that we look at this example set by Paul, and we would think perfect circumstances need to align for us to be effective for the gospel. When in fact, sometimes persecution, setbacks, and challenges are the very things that we need to get motivated 
to share our faith effectively. To embolden us, it takes us out of our posture of safety and security and timidness and puts us in a position where we have to trust God because we're so uncomfortable, because we lack the confidence on our own. And when we rely on the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit, he allows us to be effective in situations we would never be effective. In fact, I think that sometimes that discomfort is what we need when we are trying something beyond ourselves and we rely on God. We're willing to take it on. We know under our own power it's impossible, but through Christ, we attempt more and we're successful worth more because we're willing to rely on him and not our own personal talent, ability, or availability. Moving on, it's interesting how Paul talks about the motivations for sharing our faith. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Friend, have you ever found yourself in a position where you were preaching out of bad motivations? I don't know about people outside of the vocational ministry may not have this kind of circumstance, but pastors can sometimes get competitive. They have rivalries with each other that develop sometimes organically and sometimes calculated. I'm not saying it's right, but sometimes it's a fact of life. And we need to remember to preach Christ, not out of envy or rivalry, but for goodwill. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We don't proclaim the gospel for ourselves, but for Christ. This is not about our platform or our reputation. This is about us trusting God and changing the lives of those around it. And he says, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The love we have in our heart, the agape, the desire to see God move among the nations and to see lives restored, people redeemed, people transformed. Man, that's enough, isn't it? For us to be able to trust God and to move this forward. But even then he talks about the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But then, and this is a hilarious reply, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's pretty much saying, regardless of the motives, if Christ is being proclaimed, then he rejoices. He's for it. Romans 8.28 says that God can make all things work together for good. There's an old line that says, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick in spite of ourselves. And I think that that replies to Paul's circumstances. Imprisoned, in peril, writing letters to people who are experiencing the persecution of the early church. That would certainly be a time of discouragement. But we see his one-track mind. When the gospel is our first priority, we see that the circumstances become secondary that the opportunities to share our faith are always there. I find in my life, the moments that are least convenient are the times that God is going to put someone in my path who's most receptive. And the most convicting thing for me 
is always being present and ready to give an account because whenever I'm ready, it seems that there's never someone around to talk about the gospel with. But when I am not prepared, when I feel out of my element, when I'm in the throes of stress or busyness, there's that person. At those moments, I have to remember, what is my gospel priority? I have to put my own issues and drama to the side, and I have to be ready to give an account for the hope that I have in me, 1 Peter 3.15, and be willing and obedient, like Paul, to look around and say, okay, who's in front of me? Whose life can I change? And who can I share the gospel with? Friend, I hope this week finds you well. I hope your circumstances are better than Paul's and better than the ones I just described. I wish you a wonderful day, but if you find yourself amid difficulty, if you find yourself amid times that you just don't feel like you're making a difference, keep the gospel first, follow Christ with all your heart, draw some inspiration from Paul's example today, be obedient, be a gospel witness in your community, regardless of the circumstances, and leave the results to God. I'll leave you today with Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Friend, God is going to put people in your path who you can change their life with a simple conversation about the gospel. Take today's lesson to heart. Remember, have pure motives, and a sheer desire, trust in God, and he will guide you in those conversations. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time on Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.